Civilization may not sink, its great battle lost. Quiet the dog, tether the pony to a distant post. Our master Caesar is in the tent, where the maps are spread, his eyes fixed upon nothing, a hand under his head. Like a long-legged fly upon the stream, his mind moves upon silence. That the topless towers be burnt, and men recall that face, move most gently if move you must, in this lonely place. She thinks, part woman, three parts a child, that nobody looks her feet, practice a tinker shuffle, picked up on a street. Like a long-legged fly upon the stream, her mind moves upon silence. The girls at puberty may find the first atom in their thought. Shut the door of the Pope's chapel, keep those children out. There on that scaffolding reclines Michelangelo. With no more sound than the mice make, his hand moves to and fro, like a long-legged fly upon the stream, his mind moves upon silence. Long-legged fly, W.B. Yeats. And hello to you, it's your pal Jason Louve. Yes, hello. I am holding in my right hand a piece of the Berlin Wall. I've had it uh, since right after the wall came down, and I've kept it ever since. It's a reminder to me that all empires fall. Everything, no matter how stable it seems, or all-controlling it seems, or totalitarian it seems, comes to an end eventually, usually of its own weight. Mankind builds towers to the sky, and those towers crumble. For many, this is a futile and despair-inducing thought. For me, it's just reassuring, and it always has been. Mankind is inherently chaotic. The universe manifests from chaos to chaos, and despite our best attempts to impose order on it, nothing lasts forever. If you add the dimension of time to any human endeavor, everything decays or any endeavor for that matter, because decay is by, uh, by design part of the universe. It is necessary, fundamental, and liberating, as long as you know how to let go. So, this is of course not a political comment, as I am not a political person, and make no observations about the world around me, or the way things are going, or how apparently controlled or locked down things may be. I'm just not political. I'm a humble spiritual teacher. I'm a humble, even, even that would be too much. I'm a humble meditation teacher. I don't get political. So with that in mind, I would like to give you this podcast, which is wholly about meditation, something that I am, I quite hope you are practicing. Uh, and that if you're not, God damn it, you really should be because, um, the passing illusions of life come and go the news comes and go it comes and goes it might be happening one day but it won't it won't be the next 
Uh, meditation is, as Yeats says, like a fly moving upon silence. Uh, and silence ultimately becomes and is the only true reality. So the question you have to ask yourself is, are you grounded in fundamental reality or not? If you are, nothing will shock you and everything will be quite nice and copacetic because you understand the nature of impermanence, the nature of change in the universe, and you will be grounded and rooted in the silence that never changes, the voice of the silence, the peace that passeth all understanding. If not, you're going to be glued to CNN and sucks to be you. Hate to say it, or Fox, or whatever it is, YouTube. The world is a uh, is a puppet show, and it's shadow play, and and uh, that doesn't matter where you get your news, or if you just make up crazy conspiracy theories to explain it to yourself. It's all passing Maya and samsara. It all goes. All right. So meditation is the key to understanding this. Uh, this podcast is a recording of a, a Q&A between me and a student in office hours where a student asked a really, really good question, which is a question that I think anybody and everybody that gets far enough along with practicing meditation or spirituality or various es esoteric techniques, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if they're really serious, if they're serious students, they come to this place, which is they end up learning a lot of really good techniques maybe lots of valid techniques. So for instance, they may learn Buddhist techniques, they may learn Hindu meditation techniques, they may learn uh, Western hermetic techniques, uh, NLP, all kinds of stuff, right? In fact, this is probably most of you. And then they come to a very difficult question, which is, well, which one do I focus on? If you haven't asked yourself that question yet, it's probably because you're new, but trust me, you'll get there. Um, we all hit this kind of uh, impasse at a certain point, and it becomes very difficult to understand how to proceed. Uh, Trungpa talked about this and called this spiritual materialism. Our rooms become too cluttered with stuff, too many techniques to practice, too many ideologies, thoughts, uh, shiny things. Um, people should, uh, I, I should announce, by the way, that I have adopted a formal guru uh, for myself, which is Marie Kondo, uh, who I think is the, 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 great, the great wizard of our time, the great Shinto wizard. Uh, Marie Kondo, if you haven't read her book or watched her TV show, highly recommend it. Um, but we, we do at some point need to Marie Kondo our spiritual practices and, and really drill down and focus on the one that really feels most right for us. So uh, we explore that question at length in this Q&A session. So for those of you who don't know what office hours are or Q&A, uh, what, what Q&A is, uh, so obviously I have a school for uh, magic meditation and mysticism at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. Uh, and we've been doing tons new, tons of new courses, actually. We launched a huge course prior to COVID, and then we launched a huge course right in the thick of COVID, uh, which is called The Alchemy of Chaos, which was all about surviving this crazy, insane, topsy-turvy world that people have really, really, really loved. Uh, but this site has, you know, tons and tons and tons. It's, you know, my own personal Netflix of, of, uh, of, uh, magical and meditation instruction. You can find everything there in uh, short video units, which can be consumed even on the busiest of schedules. It's great. Uh, and one of the things that people who are subscribers get is regular, uh, kind of like open AMA sessions or, or Q and A sessions, uh, with me, which I call office hours. And, and those get pretty deep and profound. 
and uh, people bring all kinds of questions and uh, whether it's about practice or life or both as all questions actually are um, we go we go in depth in those sessions so it's it's pretty much one-to-one between me and whoever's each person who asks a question um, so I've been kind of uploading some snippets of some of these as podcasts because I think some of the material is is really good um, if I if I do say so myself um, mostly because of the questions that people are asking um, but also because a lot of what comes out of these is I think applicable to uh, anyone right uh, as most spiritual questions are it's like if one person has the question um, just like with anything any instructional or educational environment whether it's in person or online among many many hundreds or thousands of people if one question if one person has the question it probably means that tons of people are, are thinking it but haven't asked so in that spirit i'm releasing some of these as podcasts so uh it's magic.me m-a-g-i-c-k dot m-e never been a better time than now to jump in not only because we're uploading all this uh, content but also because the world continues to slow to a crawl and uh, let's face it we're all spending a lot of time indoors so what better than to give in to your 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 natural introvert tendencies and blast off into the world of the infinite world of inner space and become an inner space astronaut uh, if not a literal uh, uh, if not a literal astronaut then a literal inner space astronaut um, and explore the last frontier that is truly available to mankind other than space exploration, which is the inner worlds. That and more you can find out how to do at magic.me. All right, with no further ado, uh, here's the Q&A and lots more content soon. Uh, now that I've got my $100 million Spotify deal, I'm actually building a full AV studio. Well, sands the hundred million dollars but i am building a studio so lots more content to come all right love you talk to you soon My question actually uh, revolves around um, meditation um, and kind of the paradox of choice. Um, I've done a lot of meditation for many years, um, mostly in Buddhism, a little bit of uh, sort of Vedic TM type meditation. Um, did a 10-day Vipassana retreat think, two years ago now, which is Great. really profound. Um, so I just, I don't know, it's just like, Sometimes I sit down, I don't know what to do anymore because <laughs> there's just so much. And I did do your hardcore meditation course, which I really liked. And so it's, I guess I'm just really looking for some guidance and some something to, to focus on. Um, more recently, too, I found some, I guess, uh, hermetic alchemy type groups where they're doing this sort of like staring at checkerboards or mirrors or, you know, things like that, which are really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are they staring at checkerboards? Um, I guess it's like, you know, yeah, well, I think part of it, it was a book by Jean Dubois and it was about balancing the masculine and feminine and it eventually turns gray, you know, it's kind of Masonic in a way too. Yeah. Okay. I, right. I don't know. It was interesting. I tried it and it was interesting. So, but yeah, I just wanted to just get some advice about where, you know, where to focus and yeah. 
what your thoughts well, on that? I mean, look, this is this is uh, this is something we all struggle with, to be perfectly honest with you, which is, you know, this is why Trungpa wrote that book, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, which I yeah. recommend everyone read if you haven't. Yeah, right. Um, and it, it's it's just an issue, you know, it's like <clears throat> we live in a time period where there's almost infinite information available. Uh, if you want to know about it, you can find out about it. It wasn't like that, you know, certainly a hundred years ago. We have the internet now. We have you can order any book on Amazon. You know, we're not held in check by the resources of the local library anymore as we once were, and um, any information is accessible. Uh, along with that, there's a whole cottage industry, of course, of people being spiritual teachers. That's nothing new. I mean, that's you know certainly been around since Theosophy. It's big business. Anybody can claim to be a spiritual teacher. I was just reading, um, actually, I'd send there, I should send, there's a good PDF I was reading about this from the Gurdjieff Foundation about how to properly gauge spiritual teachers. But, um, so I live in California, right? So California, anybody can claim to be a spiritual, anyone can claim to be an alternative therapist, right? You don't need licensing for it. Anyone can claim to be a therapist. You know, you can just say, oh, well, I'm doing hot rock therapy. Like you can make up some type of therapy. You don't need a license for it. Mm-hmm. You can be a fire. The same with firearms instruction. Anyone can be a firearms instruct- instructor. Can you imagine? You know, there's no licensing process, let alone for spiritual teaching, which nobody even understands what it is. So that's kind of a tangent. But I guess what I'm saying is, we have infinite options, and a lot of the options are bad. So it would be so. But even so, you know, like discerning what is valid from what is not, that's already tough. And so obviously, some of the things you mentioned, I don't know what type of Buddhist meditation you were doing, but certainly Vipassana, I 100% endorse. I think that's a brilliant technique. And also, obviously, you know, my hardcore meditation, I endorse. (laughs) That stuff all comes from Raja Yoga and Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And I've been trained by real gurus, you know, in that. So I can back that. Uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't be offering it. But it's just all that I'm teaching there is traditional Hindu meditation. I didn't change it. You don't have to learn it from me, you know. But... um, you know, you're talking about where should I put my focus between things that are valid techniques. Now, that's a real problem, right? I mean, this wasn't a problem, you know, 200 years ago. Like, let's say you were growing up in Japan 200 years ago. Your 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 um, choices of spiritual teaching would be rather limited. Yeah, it'd be like Shinto or Zen. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And probably not even that because a lot of that, I believe, is, is, is class determined, right? I could be wrong yeah. in that. But... Um, you know, so and, and there's a real people don't understand this. There's a real stress in having too much choice. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's happening. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's real. It's like, it's like you go to the I always said, you know, In-N-Out Burger. Uh, we don't have them here in Vermont, but I know of them from <laughs> Lebowski, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a California thing. Uh, well, but hey, be- better to live in Vermont than California. Jesus. <laughs> so. You know, in and out, there's only three things on the menu. Hamburger, cheeseburger, uh, extra large, you know, hamburger or cheeseburger. It's like, that's it, right? One, two, three. People love that. They love to not have to choose. It's like decision is hard. We now know decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a real thing. You know, that's why Obama and Steve Jobs and various other people, like people in real executive roles, have very famously only worn one outfit so they just have multiple copies of the same outfit so they don't have to have that choice every morning because you only have a limited number of decisions you can make a day before it's sapped out of your brain so so this is not an easy question and the easy part is i mean it's not easy but it's easier is whittling away what is not a valid technique 
right? Mm -hmm. Now now you have to choose between valid techniques and people can stay there for forever. Yeah. Um, do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and not make progress. Stephen Flowers, uh, who's the, you know, the great teacher of the Northern tradition, calls this being the, calls this the path of the squirrel. You know, mm -hmm. the squirrel Ratatosk in Norse mythology hops along the world tree from branch to branch. And he says that in the modern New Age marketplace, which is really what it is, let's be honest, the spiritual marketplace, I'm engaged in it as well. You know, everyone's buying and selling. This is America, right? It's how we do it here. There's good and bad things about that. The good thing is availability. The bad thing is half teachings or confusion of choice. And he says, you know, the big spiritual publishers, all of whom I work with, so I'm not going to slag them off, but it's true. I mean, he says, like, they encourage people that they, the, the idea that they have to learn everything, tarot, I Ching, meditation, this, that, everything. It's like, well, you, you can't dig too deep if you try to learn everything. That said, number one, to focus on meditation primarily is, to, in my mind, absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. Right. You can drop a lot of other bullshit if you're just focused on meditation. Right, because mm -hmm. a lot of even ritual magic is a subsidiary practice to get you to be able to focus enough to meditate. Okay, second is you have access to valid teachings. That's good, right? So you're in the zone. You're getting closer to the bullseye, right? Yeah. The third is <clears throat> what should you decide? I obviously can't make that decision for you. Yeah. Okay. I have two questions for you, though. One is well, first question is what What do you want? What is your goal? I well. So, some of the media thing that I'm, you know, there's the surface level stuff. Like I'm, I'm a little bit ADD. It'd, it'd be great to have more focus. I mean, the big goal is I want to get as far as I can in this lifetime, you know, like as I, I, I have no excuses really. I'm, you know, I live alone in a cob house in the middle of nowhere, you know, I, I work, I, you know, I'm a, th I'm actually a therapist myself. I work for a mental health agency and stuff. And I, I talked to you before I'm a Mason too. So I'm involved in yeah, that. I remember. And, um, so yeah, it's just, uh, so it's just like, I have the time, I have the energy. It's just what I'm just really trying to figure out what, what best to like really focus on. And I, you know, I took up, I started doing the Vipassana, you know, body scanning type stuff a uh, week ago after my dog died. And I was like, Oh, I need to feel this. I'm not going to escape this with anything. And it, and it was really helpful. It was hard. But it's 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 always there. It's still there. I could pick it up like I'm right back in the course again. That's a very um, spiritually mature attitude, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and that's tough, man. That's life, right? It's like yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. I mean, I mean, that's it's I mean, good for you, right? You know. Yeah, and then um, but then sometimes I feel like I don't. That doesn't really. I don't feel as focused when I do that too, in, in a way, just that, that practice. So then I look for something that's a little more narrowed down. And, and again, I, you know, it's just like one book opens the other. I read something else. I read something else. I'm fascinated by the symbolism and the everything. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just a kind of a leaf twisting in the wind, but those are my two goals. It'd be, it'd be great to have a little more focus. And, um, but also I want to, I really want to work and get as far as I can in this lifetime. And when, when you say get as far as you can, what is that? mean to you i mean like well i don't know i guess illumination enlightenment yeah. you know as far as you can towards okay. that you know it's yeah okay and yeah. what has what have you found that has been for that goal what have you found that has already been the most effective for it for you um I guess I've had some pretty profound experiences in other meditations. I mean, first, when I first started sitting back in the 90s in Boston at a Shambhala center, oh, wow. you know, that was just like really tried to 
I was a pretty serious athlete then too. I was like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to push through it. And I really burst through some stuff. And then, and then in the Vipassana course, I really had this profound sense of equanimity at one point where I actually felt like I physically got it. You know, the end of the course, I was actually realized I was in this weird, I was almost asleep while I was sitting there. It was so painful in the beginning, but then I was like, towards the end, I just kind of let go. And I, I realized I can be in this place where I was like, just so relaxed. I was almost snoring, but I was sitting bolt upright and not moving, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's anything that's like truly effective on anything or just surface level, like cities or something cities. Um, and like we said on the last call, just being in the Masonic lodge and talking about, you know, yard sales, it's just like tripped out by the symbolism, you know, and just going deeper into that realm. So, and I think that what, um, like, when we were talking last time, it, it's really felt like something profound. I didn't think anything of the Western tradition until literally like about a year ago when I think I heard you on Duncan Trussell or something like that. And I was like, wow, there's a whole other... Leading people astray. That's what I'm going yeah, for. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so I was like, I was just under this impression like, oh, this is only the Eastern stuff that has it. You know, we're just, we're corrupted here in the West. And so it's been this whole like, oh, wow, there's this whole thing I'm like rediscovering you know, and just in the last year. Yeah. I mean, well, look, I, I mean, I can, I, I can share with you my personal experience, but it's not necessarily the truth, you know? Yeah. Um, it sounds like we did a Vipassana the same year. I had a profound experience with Vipassana. Mm-hmm. A 10, 10 day retreat. My God. Like, yeah, uh, I, I, I would think about it for a bit, but I might recommend Vipassana as the best tool I've found for awakening. Mm-hmm. Now that said, um, I need to caveat that by saying I've already done so much practice and had awakening experiences within other traditions that for me, the 10 day Vipassana retreat was not as much breaking new ground as consolidating a lot that I, you know, maybe a decade plus of work, you know, like it, for me, it was, for me, it was consolidating and clearing out my mind enough that my mind could basically rebalance to the awakened state, right? And it could clear out all the garbage because you're sitting there for 10 days, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it was a re, uh, you know, it was a return to return to form in a way. It was a re, it was a return to what I already knew to be, you know, original unconditioned awareness. And right, that, I actually, mm-hmm. I think I felt pretty ripe going into it just with the practices that I'd done. Like, some of the guys like my roommate, when we could finally talk and we're talking about it, he spent the whole week just struggling, giving away his cell phone, you know? And so, and I was like blown away the whole time, you know? So yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. So I think I kind of, and I was doing some pretty intense, like somatic meditation before that. So it was just, yeah, it was, it was really, I was pretty ripe going into it. It's kind of like what you're saying. That's the interesting thing about Vipassana is like people come to it at their own level. It's like, you know, it's like the main guy I was talking to was just like, I was just trying not to jerk off the whole time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right, uh, right. but, but like for, so for instance, I, so for that reason, I would certainly not recommend Vipassana as an introductory practice. And a lot of people go into it yeah. uh, as their first thing. And you can see their stories all over the internet of people having psychotic breaks at Vipassana retreats and things like that. But then you read, it's like they never did any meditation before. It's like, right. well, you know, for me coming off 20 years of meditation, it's like, and by the way, all the um, Crowley yoga stuff, the asana, like being able to hold asana for long periods of time, mm-hmm. 
that turns out to not only come in handy for Vipassana, it's almost, I think it's a, it's a prerequisite. Oh, yeah. It's, not, an, it's yeah. not a mistake that, you know, like Crowley got all of his yoga techniques from Alan Bennett, who was a Theravadan Buddhist monk in Ceylon at the time, you know? It's like, that's where he learned it from. It's the same tradition. So mm -hmm. um, I think that it, it, you mentioned athleticism. I think that that's a very good way to look at it. It's like basically Vipassana, 10-day Vipassana retreat is a marathon. And you don't mm -hmm. want to go into that untrained you got to train for it right it's, it's that simple you can't go for you can't meditate for 10 days without being able to meditate for 10 minutes and yet people try it and then they have a bad time you know so you got to work up to that so i think that vipassana at least my experience of it is a profound consolidation it, it allows you to wherever you're at it allows you to like defrag your hard drive basically yeah that was my experience of it so i i now that said i mean i i i couldn't keep up the practice outside of the the 10 days yeah I, yeah you know and and i went my my i could feel you know even just driving back into los angeles i could feel myself losing the awakened state you know i could feel myself re uh you know the second the very second i heard you know looked at a cell phone and then like went mm -hmm. to Seven Eleven on the way back with the people i drove away from it's like i could just like feel the fucking curtains starting to come down you mm -hmm. know re-entering the hive after right. being awakened, you know, having spending some time in awakened awareness, you know, so it's like, that's the thing, that, that's the thing that the unglamorous thing that people don't tell you. It's like, it's not like you get to some point where you're enlightened and you're like, oh, like, you know, everyone must, you know, I, I get to wear orange robes all the time. And like, I get a, it's like getting a, you know, a senior citizens discount card or something like that. You know, everything's on discount. You're special. Everyone's got to like bow down to you. It's like, that's the it, enlightenment is modular. Or it's, mm -hmm. it come, it's a state, it's a mental state, right? It's like one of the great, one of the great lessons of Vipassana is that everything is change. So even these mental states, you know, in, in Buddhists talk about state chasing, it's like, correct, you can get into these enlightened states, but they will change. You will go back yeah. to being asleep and it will come and go. And it's like, you know, the only constant is change, right? So it's like, so it becomes like hygiene, hygienic, and hence daily meditation practice. Anyways, so... Here's what I'll tell you. It's like Western in my, if I, if, okay, if someone was to ask me, you know, what are, you know, to drop, if I, if I can drop the bullshit for half a second, right. And only half a second, don't worry, it'll come back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think at this point in my life, the three, you know, the three big, well, really the, in meditation, you've got two choices, Vipassana or Raja Yoga. Right, which is really the you know the the creme de la creme spiritual techniques of the Vedic system and of the Buddhist system. Now, mm -hmm. Ultimately, they're not that different, right? But they, they are they are different. They're different enough. Hermeticism is also a profound spiritual path, but it's it's more about guiding your the way you live your life, right? And it's such a huge grab bag of practices. Mm -hmm. um, hermeticism, I'm tempted to say, in many ways, is a is an early foundational practice rather than a finishing vehicle, you know, or, or to put that into English, um, after a certain point, you know, you just realize you're going to need to make serious progress with serious meditation rather than dicking around with spheres and paths and Hebrew and lore and books and gods and demons and all this other stuff that is ultimately of the mind. Right. Right. That said, 
the real benefit of hermeticism is it doesn't remove you from the world, uh, mm -hmm. which the Eastern traditions do, and they're they're from cultures that are not Western, right? It says they come from different cultural assumptions. I've talked about that a lot before on the calls. Yeah. So that's kind of a non-answer, but I'm I guess what I'm doing instead of answering your question is, is is validating where you are and saying that you do have good choices, right? It's like you're in. It's like everything sounds like it's very well set up for you. You have mm -hmm. access to real teaching. You have serious spiritual um, uh, maturity and experience of real practice. You mm -hmm. have organized your life in such a way that is certainly far easier for you to meditate than it is for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you've organized your life in such a way that you can pursue a yogi lifestyle, uh, mm -hmm. which is rare. You know, I mean, it's probably easier to do that in Vermont than fucking India. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, or a lot of places, you know, like yeah. Vermont, you know, he, seriously, I got a like, long you know, winter coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and, and, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm validating where you are. I think you're in a really, really good place. And I, I think that your, your intention to make really serious progress is, is very laudable in terms of what specific practice should you do i i can't answer i'm some guy in la i can't answer that for you but i can share with you my i i can basically mirror back to you what what i'm hearing from you i can mirror back that in my experience at least i think the techniques you have access to are excellent and um mm -hmm. it, so it just sounds to me like you're you're in a very good place but in terms of what what specific practice you should follow, I would be, um, I would sit with it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, such an asshole thing to say. No, I mean, I think I think that um, I don't know if you had to answer in the next ten seconds. What would you say? God, I I think I just want to like I, I think I want to find something that's going to do more for uh, concentration at this time. Um, okay, you know. Uh, whether that's going back to stage one of Vipassana or if it's just, you know, going between the eyebrows or, or, you know, I've even read some of the, the Barden meditations and, yeah. you know, just, just trying to, you know, focus in, just get a little more focus that can carry over into some of the other things that I'm interested in, like some of the active okay. imagination and, you know, th things like that, that are, I think are, I've been studying. So, okay. So I can give you, I can give you a recommendation in that, in that sense. And if, you, if your primary goal at this point is to develop focus, and I will caveat that by saying that, you know, focus is only half the battle. You need to put your intention, you know, right intention as Buddhism says, you know, the focus should be on the path of enlightenment. But yeah. um, if you just want to develop focus, Raja Yoga all the way. Okay. Right. And hermeticism, all the, like the, you mentioned the Barden exercises, like, yeah, those Barden exercises are, by the way, those are fucking hard, right? I, mm -hmm. I've tried to get through those so many times in my life, and I haven't been able to make very good progress on them. Probably because yeah, I don't yeah. live in upstate New York, right? Or excuse me, Vermont, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you have, you have like a year of unstructured time to yourself, I mean, geez, what can you do with that stuff, right? Um, yeah. I think that also the Barden stuff um, dovetails quite well with Raja Yoga. Mm -hmm. And it all dovetails eventually, but... Uh, yeah, I would try. I would work with the stuff in the hardcore meditation course then, you know, because yeah. Raja Yoga is about holding, holding single pointed focus, right? Right. If you can right. get your asana, pranayama, and dharana down. You can basically do anything, right? So, so I think that if you just need to develop your focus, I would just do that and not worry about what the ultimate be all end all practice is. You could even take Crowley's Library E, just work through that, 
Mm-hmm. Work through that or work through Barden if you want to be hermetic about it. But ultimately, what you're doing is you're training your mind to focus on one thing at a time and not waver. Right. That I think this is like I posted on Twitter the other day. It's like you look in the occult world, everyone's selling these like fucking $700 grimoires of like the ultimate secret of the black anus of Belial. Bound in leather, only 50 copies published, signed with a unique sigil by the author who's just some guy in North England. Um, Right. Uh, and it's like, you know, like I, I posted on Twitter, I later deleted it because, you know, I, I actually am, can be weirdly taciturn about what I put out into the public. But, um, you know, I said, like, there's like, there's like a thousand, all these thousand commodity grimoires. Why? You know, you, hermetic students would make better progress with a five page printout of Liber E and just mm-hmm. committing to it than like mm-hmm. a million dollars worth of those fucking books. Or Bar, you know, or Barden's initiation to her, into Hermetics. Nobody's published a better book since that since then. Mm-hmm. But at what in the 30s or the 50s, right. maybe? Nobody's done a better book on Hermetics than that since. Mm-hmm. They haven't, you know, and it's still too hard. It's too hard for me, you know. It's like it's hard. <laughs> like, and I've been doing this my whole life, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, does it help to um just to I've also been playing with like uh focusing on meditating on symbols as a part of like, cause I am interested in the symbolism and the Kabbalah and things like that. I mean, is that a helpful thing to kind of incorporate into Raja yoga or sure. I guess sure. it, it's yeah. part of Raja yoga. Okay. Yeah. Right. It, it, it is. And um, yeah, you can start with Tattva meditation. You know, it's the classic mm-hmm. golden Dawn one. It's in library as well. Mm-hmm. I would just use like hermetic symbols or whatever, or just anything. Right. Well, that that you have to be careful with because the symbols you're you're because they're you're charging them. They're sigils, right? Yeah. So the tadvas, for instance, are the five symbols of the elements. But mm-hmm. you got to watch yourself with that too, because you're working with elemental energies. The tadva meditating on the tadvas, the five tadvas, is the internal component of the uh, banishing rituals. Or the banishing okay. rituals, you're working with elemental energy outside the body. If you're meditating on the tatvas, you're doing it internally through meditation, right? They're complementary okay. practices. That's why both of those are foundational practices within the Golden Dawn and its attendant branches. Because right? they're part of the same process. Barden's, Barden's work in the same way is also that first book, Initiation into Hermetics, same stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the first task of the Hermetic magician is working with the five elements, right? Is mm-hmm. you can't, once, you get, you can, once you get that, then you can deal with the planets and the astrology and all that, and then the tree of life and all that. Until you ultimately realize, Jesus, what are you know, like, what is all this shit? Uh, yeah. By that time, you're well into Enochian, and you're like, Christ, I should have spent my life learning accounting or something. Yeah, yeah, man. If you just want to learn focus, do 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 either library or initiation into Hermetics. Yeah, right? and, okay. and you can do, you know, but pick something. You know, this is apparently your I first, know, that's the part, yeah. first okay. part of focusing is choosing what to focus on. <laughs> right, right. But, but I think that. I can make a meta point on this. That and and P.S. This is why I would say not only I teach magic like this, but that magic has been taught like this for at least eighty years. Wait, yeah, like um, no more than eighty years, probably a hundred years, at least a hundred years, right? So, certainly since Crowley, right? You have to remember Crowley came out of the Theosophical era when people were just like babbling about fucking ascended masters and all this garbage, right? It's the same as the New Age, New Age stuff now. And Crowley brilliantly pointed out, it's like, no, the point is to focus your mind. It doesn't matter what you focus it on, ultimately. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what you focus it on. But, but um, meaning, it's not about dogma. It's about the process of cultivating mental clarity from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. 
So for that, uh, Raja Yoga and Hermetic Symbol Meditation are, are the, the prescribed practices. Mm-hmm. And I can say with a with a, a thousand percent confidence for everybody on this call and everyone I have taught and everyone I will teach that the, the first step should be learning to focus the mind. Once you can get laser like focus down, you can you can then go into any branch of magic, whether it's Hermeticism or Raja Yoga or Vipassana or the Northern Tradition or whatever the fuck, and and kick ass because your mind is already trained. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and during that process, you will have developed the discrimination and discernment to not end up where most people are, which is believing that the things of their mind are real and then living their life in a, a new age delusion world. Mm-hmm. Uh, because during the meditation practice, you're able to cut down through the layers of the mind and say, OK, well, that's just thinking. OK, well, that's just the vision. That's just the dreaming astral state well okay this is the archetypal state okay well this is actually what mental silence uh is like and uh, this is what samadhi is like you know so and at that point you have zero interest in the astral gobbledygook of of um, most of these uh practices so so i would say that if your goal is to develop your mind, that is an excellent goal. And I think that that should be your goal. It should be everyone's goal. And it is, you can take that as your goal without knowing what your ultimate destination is. And, and, and it is a necessary, not only an important, but a necessary foundational step. Mm-hmm. By the way, I really recommend also for everyone on this call, um, in the Equinox, Crowley's essay, The Psychology of Hashish. Uh, not because it's about, well, it's about cannabis indica. Um, he was one of the very first writers about it, not because of that, but because he includes an extremely well uh, explicated, he wrote it under a pen name, but he includes a, an extremely well explicated Theravada Buddhist map of mental states, jnanas, which mm-hmm. is critical. It is fucking critical for to understand that stuff or anyone engaged in these practices because you need to be able to discern between what is the process of the mind focusing and what is real. That's a rant. I hope, I hope some of that's helpful, but yeah, no, it, it is. It's, a, it, it is, it's, it's grounding it. Yeah. I'm just, it's good to just, yeah. I just need to figure out one thing to focus on. And then, yeah, that, that idea of being discriminating between what I'm working with. I'm just, I'm just fascinated by it all right now, you know? So it's just, well, tell, tell you what, pick something arbitrarily. Yeah. There's your first step. Down at the wall, right? yeah. Just just pick a practice, even if it's wrong. Like here's a great, great example yeah, of this. Yeah. It's like um what um I love this story. I think it was uh, Patton, right? In World War II. It's either Patton no, it was Norman Schwarzkopf. Uh-huh. Right? General Schwarzkopf. Um there's this story about he uh uh is sitting there and wait, Schwarzkopf Schwarzkopf was general during Iraq one, correct? Yeah. He was a head general then. Who yeah. was his counterpart during Vietnam? Please, oh, I'm having a brain blank. Was that Colin Powell? Are you talking about? No, 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 no. Vietnam era. Oh, the counterpart, uh, Giap uh, or Giap? McNamara or somebody like that. Okay. Oh, wow. The, the, the main general in Vietnam. Yeah. The main general in Vietnam. Yeah, McNamara. Anybody, anybody, McNamara. Yeah. McNamara. I believe it was McNamara. It was either McNamara or Schwarzkopf in, in, in during wartime, somebody had brought him basically, you know, like they brought him and say, like, okay, like these are our two plans, um, on how to proceed with whatever this branch of the war. Our intelligence analysts have spent 10 years on each of these plans 
working out every single aspect of this. And, you know, we've run all these analytics, we've run all these numbers, and we've wargamed out all these different various scenarios, and we can't choose what is the best course of action. Um, which one should we do? Can you review these, please? Think it through, get back to us, and, and, and give us an, an order on what to do. And he's like, and he just points to one, and he says, do that. I'm like, what? You didn't read them. He's like, I don't have to read them. It's like, you guys spent 10 years on them. Like, one, like they're just fucking pick one and do it. Like, right. I'm ordering you do that one. And you'll find out if it's, you'll find out if it's the right one while you're doing it. And if it's the wrong one, you'll correct it in progress. But somebody's got to make a goddamn decision about this, right? And you haven't been able to. So just do that one. And they're like, uh, he's like, it's an order. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then they did it and it worked out. So, um, so, so, so I would just say, just, you know, you yeah. know, ask yourself if I had 10 minutes to decide or I had 10 seconds to decide what would I do, pick it and then stick with it mm-hmm. for you know, at least three months and then see where you're at. You know, it's like, cause you gotta be, you have to be able to cut off options at some point. Otherwise yeah. you can't yeah. focus. That's the first step of focusing before, you know, it's like, but like I said, if you can just focus your mind, it doesn't really matter ultimately what the practice is. If you can just get your mind focused, mm-hmm. everything else, you know, it's like the same, it's, it's like, if you can master one branch, you know, the other ones open up, but you can't master them all at once. You got to pick one until you're, until you're good with it. And then you can look at other practices, but anyway, so, so pick, so choose, make a decision. I know it's hard, (laughs) but do it arbitrarily or do it arbitrarily Throw you know, throw, throw a tarot, do a tarot reading. If you want, throw, you know, throw it or throw a, throw dice on it, you know, leave it to, leave it to the tarot, but -hmm. pick something and stick with it because that's your first test of focus, right? That's part of the focusing process. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think I'll go with Barden and I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Leave me from the karma of choosing for you. Very good. <laughs> right. uh, let me know how it, let me know how it goes. That's a tough one. Yeah. And, uh, I, will. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. What can you say? You can't say anything bad about Barden, right? Yeah. yeah. Other than the fact that they took him out too early. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Good luck. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jason. You're welcome. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. You can find out lots more at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic meditation and mysticism. If you're not on the email list, you should be on it because that's where pe- that's where you're going to hear about new cool stuff first. Uh, you can get on that right at the, at the website. There's a, there's a link to get on the mailing list. Uh, make sure you're on it and jump into the school. Now's the best time ever to do it. All right. Talk to you next time. Hang in there. Bye.